0: George Rodriguez,
1: howdy, howdy, howdy! Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on this beautiful May second. Uh, I'm going to be sure because uh, my gosh, we just we just started a new month. Um, I hope that everybody's beginning to uh, come out of the woodwork. Uh, Friday was a very, very good day. There a lot of there was a lot of traffic on 281, which I thought was a very, very good sign. Uh, that we're uh, trying to get back to normal. I very, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I'm, I'm ready, baby. I'm ready. Um, all right, so let me tell you about the show today. We've got uh, four guests. We've got uh, from the Center for Immigration Studies, we've got the Executive Director, Mark Krikorian, and Dave North. Um, Mark uh, is going to be talking to us about uh, uh, the recent uh, developments within the immigration uh, issues about immigration about, uh, the bailout and uh, folks who are trying to uh, release folks from the, from the prison, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, David North is going to be talking to us about uh, the labor issues because uh, even though we've got a huge unemployment, uh, we've got uh, a lot of folks pushing for uh, immigrant labor. Uh, we also have uh, a new guest, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Jorge uh, Bonilla from the Media Research Center. And Jorge is going to be talking to us about the... Uh, uh, outright biasness at Univision uh, in, in the Spanish language media. I mean, outright bias. He's going to be t- talking about it. We also have, and uh, this is going to be our first guest, is uh, my good friend Bob Starter who is the former mayor of a Texas City here. And, uh, and uh, Bob's going to be talking to us about this whole craziness about the bailout. Uh, Bob's uh, a not only, like I said, a former uh, mayor of a Texas City, but he's a retired um, lieutenant colonel. Uh, he was also a co-host with me when we started out with the uh, RER, uh, with the Raging Elephants uh, Radio. Bob, like I said, is going to be talking to us about this COVID bailout for cities and states that, in my opinion, don't, don't believe it, don't, be, don't uh, deserve it. So without further ado, we're going to go to our first uh, guest, and that's Ms. Mr. Bob Sarter. Stay tuned, folks. Tell your friends, join us. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. What do you think of this uh, discussion that's going on in Washington to uh, provide money for uh, cities and states uh, that have, uh, well, I'll, I'll say that have overspent. I don't know. How, how, would, how would you describe it? Well, uh, thank you, George. Hey, uh, really a pleasure to be back
2: on your show. I know uh, I used to help you a little bit, and then I just got so busy, and everybody got busy. But uh, as I've been listening like everyone else hey i'm just like everyone else i sit at home and i throw things at my tv heck it's gotten to the point now that i'm working at home of course i used to work at home for 10 years uh, i just put on nice music as background in my house and i come and do my work and i try to listen to as little news as i can because it drives me crazy but anyway so as part of this what what i'm reminded of is a story that i have loved forever and it it seems in the last 20 years Daily, it comes into play. And that's the story of the three little pigs. We've all heard this. Now, if, if for your younger listeners that might be under the age of 30, <laughs>
1: I'm not going to say you haven't heard this story. What I'm saying is we all know the liberals and the progressives, two different people, messed
2: up the story and, and kind of rewrote the uh, uh, morale. I'm going to tell you about how it's supposed to be real quick. There's the story about either the three brother pigs or the three pigs that built houses they decided to build their houses out of different material. One built his out of hay. The other's out of sticks, which is a little stronger, but not as much. The last one, he built his out of bricks. Then the other two were able to build theirs fast. They came up and were always asking the one that was building his house out of bricks, hey, we're going to go party or we're going to go have fun. Come out and play with us. He always said, nope, i got to build my house. got to build my house. Anyway, then comes the big bad wolf. That's a metaphor for whatever you want. The big bad wolf comes along. Everybody's scared in their house. He blows over the house out of hay. They run to the one of the sticks. They blow out of the one of the sticks. Then they all come up and start knocking on the door of the guy, the one that was building his out of bricks. He was building for the rainy day. They want him to bail them out. Well, of course, he lets them in, yada, yada. The moral of the story is the wolf couldn't uh, blow down the brick house. So that little story I like to use, and it applies in so many things. So I, So now it's time to – let's talk about city versus community real quick. A very uh, – I, I can't even call him a good friend of mine. I would met him several times, a former mayor of Abilene, Texas. Uh, Gary McCallup, uh was the mayor of, I believe about nine, nine-and-a-half years, wrote several books. He was very good at articulating this. We all use the term city or town. And again, wherever you are in the country, these, these principles apply, whether it's a city or a town, that's what we use to describe the concrete, the asphalt, the grass, the this, the that, the fire truck. That's the city. However, what makes every, and all the cities are the same, what makes you different from the city next door is your sense of community. What defines you as a community is what you, the people of your city, gather around and decide... Hey, here's the things we're going to do that define our community down here in Texas, in Poteet, south of San Antonio. If you decide years ago that you're going to be the strawberry capital of the world, you might start to obligate some of your funds towards building and marketing of that. Or whatever, if you're in Georgia, in pecans and peaches, wherever, you build your community. If your community wants to have twice as many parks per capita as somebody else, fine. You make that decision, the people like it, they elect their people, and you go about your business. So that's a city versus a community. Now, in order to do this, every city needs money, right?
1: We need money. Correct. Now, the way you get that revenue, in Texas at least, and this applies to most cities, kind of the
2: way it works. In the Northeast, it's different a little bit. Basically, the allowance for a city or a town in Texas primarily comes from your property tax period end of discussion right that is your primary allowance now and add to that other thing sales tax revenues other fund revenues yada 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 that so my friends in new jersey all can follow this discussion i'll say yada yada all right so the bottom line is from all of these revenues you now decide how to define your community if you decide you want to spend some of your money on x or y you do but again When the big bad wolf comes along later on and something happens, you've now made a self-inflicted wound that you need to live by. No one needs to come bailing you out to a point. To a point. Again, the voters who put their representatives in office have got to feel the pain. Now before you all yell at me, I'm not talking about crossing the line of death. I'm talking about where it's uncomfortable and pain because if you don't feel the pain, then you're never going to go and make informed decisions in the voting box. You're going to
1: continue to treat it like a political beauty pageant. Correct. Some of us refer to it. Yep. Okay. So there's that self-inflicted part. So
2: now, how does the city do its business? It sits there and it says, all right, normally the state will require me to have a balanced budget, In the city of Texas, or the state of Texas, all the cities and municipalities are required to have a balanced budget. Now, that's kind of interesting. We all think, oh, that's good. Yes, it's good, but there's some tricks, and I don't. It's beyond the scope of what we're getting into. But trust me, it's not as foolproof as you think. And we can talk about that in another in a class of how lack of because you can make up one side of the equation any way you want to, so it equals zero. All right. So each city is basically told in Texas we recommend you need to have six months of reserve operating reserves to pay your light bill, to pay all the water bill, to pay for your employers. Are the employment of all your employees, et cetera. You've got to have six months reserved. Do all cities have six months? No. Some have seven. Some have a year. Some have a month. Some have two months. Hey, that's a decision how you're making yours and what your representative uh, city council, who's your legislative branch, and your mayor, who's the the chief executive officer, is basically executing that to spend money, whether they're tightening the belt or they're just spending it willy-nilly, doesn't matter. you got to keep six months of reserve. So now let's come to your topic, George. And I'll pause for a second if you have any questions. But now we're getting ready to jump right into the topic, states
1: and cities, money versus bankruptcy, should the federal government be bailing them out? No. Go ahead. Tell us about it. Okay. So the bottom line, and I'm going to oversimplify
2: this. I want everybody, so if everybody else is listening, Bob doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a knucklehead. I'm oversimplifying it, but the principles are what I want everyone to concentrate on.
1: Correct. This is not like a business. This is the, the,
2: the local government, the state government, and the federal government. We are not the, the United States of America. United States of America is, as we've heard that joke. It's the United States of America are. We are fundamentally 50 states and territories, and we have a weak federal government that's supposed to take care of the common things amongst us. Got it. So now we come to the states. The states can make up their own rules and laws in between, the Tenth Amendment, yada, yada, we know that. It's not specified in the Constitution, and then there's arguments. That's what we got a Supreme Court. So now we get into their cities. So let's come within the state of Texas. If a city only has a one month of reserve, and the last time I checked, this court, this COVID nineteen problem
1: was not seven months old yet. Eight months. How long has it been going, George? It's been going on at least, well, at least uh, a couple of months now. I mean, we knew about it; it was coming yeah, down so, the road. Yeah, I'm not talking about the December, January. All I'm saying is, as far as when the states came in and said close everything down oh yeah well i've i've been i've been cloistered cloistered here for for at least
2: three weeks now (laughs) okay yeah well i want to get this along to the end here and that is basically it's a whole separate topic on the on the mistakes that i believe they've made on the way they closed it down a lot of government officials felt that they needed to do something so that the citizens felt they were doing something a lot of times and some of us planners know the do nothing alternative sometimes is a alternative as long as you've resulted as long as you've gone through a process and you come along at the end and you have choice a b c as many choices one of those choices legitimately can be the do nothing alternative if you arrive at the do nothing alternative through an orderly process it's okay but if you're lazy and just decide let's do nothing that's a different issue
1: okay let me let me uh, uh, we've got about a, a little little more than a minute to go
2: i'm ready to wrap
1: it yeah uh, what do you? I mean, do we need bail out uh, cities and states that have been, you know, have, that have been less than frugal in the past? I mean, how uh, how do you how do you what do you think we we need? We, how do we approach this?
2: You, number one is right now. What I'm saying is, you do not bail them out now in advance of a bankruptcy. That is that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous to come in and be thinking right now to pay money to New York State to New York City. To Texas, to anybody, to give them money now because we're nowhere near the six months reserve they're supposed to have. They need to start tightening their belt. They need to not be spending on frivolous social type things and deciding seven different you know parks and stuff is what we have to have right now. No, you have to tighten your belt, and that means if and if a city goes go bankrupt, and then the steady ste- the the state steps in and fix them, the people aren't going to suffer to the point of death. They're going to suffer pain because if they don't suffer this pain, then they're going to continue to make these same mistakes. And just like I said with the three little pigs, they're going to continue to build their house out of hay and waste their money and expect when the emergency comes for
1: Uncle Sam to bail them out. Exactly. And that applies to the states as well. Gosh. Bob, you know, I I love talking to Bob. Bob was was a co-host with me when uh, I was with uh, Raging Elephants Radio and uh, his... His knowledge and and uh, ability to analyze things really, really is, is uh, it amazes me. But we're going to need to wrap it up, Bob. Thank you for being with us and for uh, explaining things the way that you that you did. Um, we uh, I need to get you back on the show again uh, to chat about uh, other issues. So thank you very much for being with us. You're welcome. Absolutely. We'll come back now. We'll talk. We can
2: come back later, and I'll talk about my thoughts on closing and opening the government and just and. And actually, the way they did it down at the uh, at the uh, at the bootstrap level, or at the
3: at the people where the rubber meets the road for the
1: people. You got it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 9:30 AM radio. The answer.
0: You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got uh, another one of our... uh, Special guests, our regular guests, uh, Mr. David North, who is a fellow at uh, the Center for Immigration Studies uh, in, uh, in Virginia, in uh, suburban D.C. Uh, I wanted to reach out to him because he's re- recently written an article. Uh, believe it or not, folks, the, uh, we've got a situation where financial benefits are going to laid off foreign workers. I mean, it's not it's bad enough that uh, that a lot of our uh, small businesses and a lot of uh, uh, citizens have not gotten uh, the relief uh, money that uh, was promised. But we're getting we're getting, we're now seeing or hearing that uh, financial benefits for laid off foreign workers uh, is happening. I wanted to talk to uh, David about this because, uh, well, he, he's an he's an expert. He's been studying. Uh, uh, migration and immigration and uh, immigration law and and, uh, uh, labor and education issues. So, uh, David, how is this happening? Welcome to the show. But how is this happening?
3: Uh, I also happen to have a background in um, unemployment insurance. I was the chief publicist for the unemployment and disability insurance system in the state of New Jersey many years ago. So uh, this is an intersection of... uh, uh, complicated immigration rules on one hand, and complicated uh, um, social insurance uh, rules on the other. And the uh, further complication, uh, which we were talking about just before we went onto the air, uh, is the fact that these uh, disaster packages, which keep coming, you know, once every two, three weeks, are huge, huge documents. Uh, they cover multitudinous subjects. They're done all very swiftly. The idea is to get money out to the American people right away. Uh, and uh, some mistakes are being made uh, in the course of this. Now, uh, the, defining what a mistake is, is is another question, but certainly there there is this great hurry uh, to get uh, money out and some of the organizations working on this, particularly the Small Business Administration, are are just too tiny to to handle these uh, multi-billion-dollar activities
1: but is is you know uh, since they are mistakes as you're saying <laughs> I hope they can be uh, fixed. Do you think? I mean, uh, it takes it takes uh, government so long to change things. Hopefully, this can be fixed without uh, a new lobby being created to keep no, this I, thing. I, I'm
3: not. I'm not particularly optimistic about that because. Uh, uh, these things are short-term. Uh, by the time that uh, uh, the information that, that you and I are sharing uh, gets to people in government, uh, it'll probably be too late. So, so it's a complicated situation. Now, not all foreign workers are getting relief, and foreign workers come in many, many categories. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about that. Um, first of all, people with green cards, people who are permanent resident aliens um if they get laid off uh, they get the same benefits that citizens do and that that's fine. I have no trouble with that. Um, and then we get to the temporary worker programs and then beyond that we get to the illegal aliens. So let's talk about the temporary worker programs for a moment and um, in, 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 and let's also talk about the the kinds of benefits that come to people now, Uh, I'm really thinking about three different flows of money that might or might not go to um, foreign workers. Um, One of which is 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 unemployment insurance. Um, A a second are these um, uh, uh, $1,200 checks that go to. uh, Large number of people, most mostly citizens, and then finally there's some state programs in California that are um, just just terribly uh, terribly generous to uh, illegal alien workers.
1: Yeah, right. If, so you've got those those
3: three strands of money. Um, the the unemployment insurance probably does not go to the the most skilled of the uh, foreign workers, the H-1Bs, the the high tech folks, because they're uh, they can only work in H-1B locations, so they're not generally able to work. But um, in in other in some of these other um, uh, programs, the test is uh, whether or not you have, um, um, well, well, unfortunately, and to be blunt about it, the Internal Revenue Service is defining who is a non-immigrant worker, or a non-resident worker, and who is not. And the IRS is never particularly interested in that distinction, and so um, some people will file and then get uh, some some alien workers will file and who probably shouldn't get these benefits and will because of the IRS definitions and that's going be that's going be very hard to change and the um, the Trump administration has never had an, enough uh, policy making people hasn't filled enough of the uh, middle level jobs where. Rubber meets, the rubber meets the road, and these decisions are made. So uh, it's unlikely to be reversed, uh, even though um, we might hope that it would be. I,
1: it's it's really uh, critical at this point because, uh, I mean, it, it, it appears more and more that the Democrats are trying to use this crisis to further their agenda. And uh, if there isn't any pushback or if there isn't any control of that, even though uh, Republicans control the uh, White House and the Senate, uh, we could really end up with, uh, you know, a real hodgepodge of uh, programs helping folks that uh, really shouldn't be wor- uh, helped in the first place.
3: Well, well, let, let, let's look at the, the illegal aliens, where you're, your 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 uh, where the case is strongest uh, against the, the current situation. Um, what IRS will be doing, will be sending out of these $1,200 checks to folks who filed 1040s, um, so the income tax returns and yeah, for um, uh, 2018 and for 2019. Uh, and their criteria is yeah, the filing of, of those income tax returns and the presence of a Social Security number. Well, that's fine, uh, but that's not enough uh, because... Uh, Many illegal aliens are using Social Security numbers that, that don't belong to them. They've uh, they've invented them in a few cases, and in many more cases they've purchased them, and they were the numbers had been issued earlier to somebody else, probably legitimately, and now they're being used illegitimately, and IRS does not uh, have any ongoing program to, to take care of that. So those $1,200 checks, which should only go to people who are here legally, um, are going to be going to some some and you know this may be millions of illegal aliens and that's that's, that's the real shocker in this situation.
1: That is outrageous Now that really really is outrageous now,
3: that's, you know there's no gray area there. I mean that's, that's, that's terrible. Um, some of the other programs it's it's uh, people are here legally and they're working legally and and um, they may get some unemployment insurance or may not or they may get this $1200 dollars. Uh, or not, and I, I don't think they should. But uh, you know, the, the real outrage is, is uh, sending money to illegal aliens uh, who are not only illegal aliens, mind you. These are illegal aliens who are misusing social security numbers. So they've got they they should have two counts against them. But IRS is um, partially because uh, this administration doesn't fund it very well, uh, isn't doing that, and then the administration has never insisted on that.
1: Well, and it's my, also my understanding that the uh, IRS has never, uh, has never gone out of its way to uh, prosecute or, or even seek out those that are fraudulently, fraudulently uh, using uh, uh, Social Security numbers.
3: No, no, that's that's correct, and 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 uh, I mean I'm sure it's happened sometimes, sometimes, but but as, as far as a big general program is concerned, yeah, if the, the the number that the worker gives his employer and the number that the worker writes down on the ten forty is the same, um, most federal and state agencies will say, well, yeah, that's or they won't even think about it. They'll just assume that that's a decent number, and then they will go ahead and and pay a tax refund, for instance, or, or, or make one of these special payments. So that's that's a very basic problem, and the administration has, has never focused on this, um, despite some of us talking about it for years and years. Wow.
1: We've been talking with uh, David North, a fellow at the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. David, uh, tell the folks how they can read more about you guys and well, yeah, we, we
3: have a website cis.org cis.org and there we have uh, blog postings on things that are happening and and some in-depth studies and connections to uh, our occasional press conference and uh, yes we, we reach we try to reach out and talk to people about these issues and we are a 501c3 and a nonprofit organization and been around for 35 years.
1: David, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Stay safe. Uh, we've been talking, like I said, David North, a fellow at the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. Thank you very much for being with us.
4: Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got uh, a very special guest, uh, Mr. Mark Corian, who is the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies in Washington, D.C. Uh, Mark and uh, the Center have been uh, following this whole situation with foreign labor uh, and uh, the president's uh, uh, actions. Uh, on immigration and uh their impact and the question that uh you know r- r- it comes up with many of us and uh this is what I'd I'd like for Mark to talk to, up, to us about is you know we've got such a high unemployment rate in uh it, thanks to this covid uh situation covid-19 situation uh, how is it that we're uh, able to talk about bringing in foreign labor at this point and uh Mark, tell us about it. I mean, what uh, you guys have been following it. What uh, what what have you dis- d- deduced from it, or what are you finding? Well, with 26,
5: 27 million people now in five weeks applying for unemployment benefits, and you know the real unemployment rate's higher than that because the state unemployment offices can't even handle uh, any more people. I mean, this is a this is a Great Depression level. Event and it happened in weeks, whereas the Great Depression even took a couple of years to actually get that bad. So, this is really bad. And the whole point of immigration, we've been told by Chamber of Commerce types and lobbyists for these cheap labor industries, is that uh, the economy needs it. We need it for economic growth. We don't have enough people, whatever it is, Americans won't do the jobs. All the usual storylines. Well, well, we've got 25 million plus people thrown out of work all at once. Not because their businesses failed, not because there were bad workers, but basically the government shut them down. The idea that we would bring even one foreign worker into the United States under those conditions is an abomination. It is an absolute absurdity. And the president's, uh, it's a, it wasn't an executive order technically, it was called a presidential proclamation, but it's the same idea, um, was supposed to, or at least he advertised it as causing immigration during this emergency temporarily. Unfortunately, I mean, it's sort of as a start in that direction, but it's very limited, and it doesn't address all of these uh, so-called guest worker programs, whether they're high skilled like H one B, supposedly high skilled for computer workers, or lower skilled, uh, the visa there is H two B, which is for landscapers and forestry workers and maids and housekeepers, stuff like that. None of that, there's no excuse for any of that to happen, um, and yet the business lobbyists once they saw the president's tweet about pausing immigration, went berserk. I mean, they assaulted the White House like you wouldn't believe to make sure that their pet immigration programs were not touched. And at least temporarily, most of them weren't. But the proclamation the president issued specifically said that he was getting recommendations from Homeland Security and the Department of Labor over the next 30 days and would consider another measure like this that deals with the guest worker program. So that's what we're looking for is some pretty bold uh, moves uh, in – limiting the number of people coming in under these guest worker programs, because this is not something that's just going to end, say, at the end of May, you know, when you can go back to a restaurant or whatever it is that it's all okay. The economy is going to take several years, I think, to reabsorb all of these workers who've been thrown out, because a lot of them ...have been thrown out of jobs and industries that are going to fundamentally change, like movie theaters. Uh, Movie theaters are not amusement parks. That whole business is going to completely change and be much smaller. So people will find jobs, but this could take years for the economic adjustments that come out of this... ...to absorb all of these people thrown out of work. And like I said before... Letting in even one foreign worker under these circumstances is simply
1: unconscionable. It really is. I mean, uh, you've got situations where you keep hearing about, uh, you know, Americans won't do these jobs or that job. I remember doing a uh, a study when I worked at uh, INS way back in the Reagan administration that showed clearly that... Um, If people are getting, uh, you know, the same benefits uh, from the same income and benefits from uh, uh, not working as they are from from working at these uh, at at these uh, jobs, then, uh, you know, obviously they're not stupid. They're not going to, you know, they're going to stay home and watch Jerry Springer. Uh, So what uh, I mean, does this need to be addressed as well? I mean, how? I mean, AOC. Uh, uh, what's her name? Cortez came out this morning, talking about universal, uh, along with uh, with uh, Pelosi about universal income. We're talking about universal income and bringing in foreign workers. That seems to be
5: uh, that seems to be the way some people are thinking. In fact, some of the business lobbyists and even some of the people working in the White House, I've heard this from people directly, uh, were saying. We need to keep these foreign worker programs going because the unemployment benefits that Americans get are so generous, they're not going to want to work.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, geez. I
5: swear to God. I know. I heard this. I was like, no, come on. That's got to be like a cartoon version of people on the other side, like snidely whiplash, you know, those cartoons. And yet it's an actual thing. This is what people say. Uh, And even to the extent there's anything to it. And, there's, and what they were pointing to is this um, extra unemployment benefits that the federal government has in these relief bills that go on top of the state unemployment that some people are getting,
3: in fact,
5: do pay more if you add it all up than um, some lower-level jobs. The problem is that's only going to last for like a month and a half or two months. So even if people figure, well, I'll sit around and get my check, what happens then? What happens after a couple of months? Uh, It's not sustainable. I mean, we don't have any of this money for these relief bills. Our great-grandchildren are going to be paying for it. So, um, you know, the idea that we should continue, you know, in a sense, it's sort of this ideal uh, Washington a uh, compromise so-called where the people the left-wingers like pelosi and cortez get what they want which is more welfare for everybody and then the crony capitalists on the right get what they want which is importing foreign workers to do the jobs that the people on aoc's welfare aren't doing
1: amazing it's it's crazy it's like a perfect storm at this point it really is yeah so what do you think? I mean, uh, here, here in our closing moments, what do you think needs to, or uh, will happen or needs to happen in this whole situation? Well, I mean, we
5: need to uh, put a hold on basically all of these foreign worker programs. There's uh, Whether they're for computer programmers, whether it's for landscapers, there's also, I don't, I don't want to get into a lot of detail, but there's a program people have no idea about where foreign students are here. They graduate. And then we keep pretending that they're foreign students, but we give them work visas so they, it's a work program. That needs to just end. And say, so you graduated, here's your diploma, <laughs> got 30 days
1: to pack up your dorm room and head back home. We're not giving you a work visa. And how many of them are probably from China and China Chinese agents?
5: <laughs> uh, well, I don't know about agents, but there's a lot of them from China, a lot of them from India, Korea, you name it. And um, it's the main attraction. For a lot of people to go to kind of a mediocre American school, you don't just get the degree. The point is, it's a way to
1: get a work. permit. Wow! I, mean, I, I That that that's incredible. I mean, they have they, they we've created so many loopholes that uh, you know it it none none of it holds water anymore. It couldn't. Yeah, I mean, basically, the system
5: is the loopholes. You know what I mean? In other words, it's hard to believe there's anything in
1: between the loopholes. Wow. Uh, it, it just you know and and the impact on the taxpayer uh, it, it's i mean it, it's incredible the amount of taxes that we're paying out to welfare as well as to uh to folks to uh, bureaucrats to operate these programs i mean you know uh, and what's the benefit for us
5: and just one last point on this um the cost to taxpayers this program i mentioned it's, it's called OPT for shorts. These are but foreign students who aren't foreign students anymore, pretending to be foreign students. They're working mostly at tech companies. They don't pay Social Security tax. Neither them nor their employers.
1: Oh, my God.
5: For an employer, I swear to God, for three years they could be doing this. So, in other words, three, it's good for three years. Their employers, they look at two people, an American and this so-called former foreign student. And they could pay them the, they could pay the other guy a lot less, and the foreign student, so called, would be making the same money because he's not paying taxes. On him. I mean, he's paying
1: outrageous. That's just outrageous.
5: Yeah, of course it's outrageous, and it's several hundred thousand people. It's not like there's twelve people yeah. who are getting this deal uh, anyway. I mean, it's just our immigration system is just loaded with one outrage after another. You study it, and at some point, you look at it and say, No, this can't be real.
1: And right. yet, it is. It's just, it's, it's it just is real. It, it really is. It's outrageous. We've been talking with uh, Mark Krikorian, the executive director for the Center for Immigration Studies. Mark, thank you very much for taking time with us. Got to get you back on and chat some more about uh, other stuff that's going on that you guys are being viv- very vigilant about. Thank you anytime, George. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer.
0: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930 a.m the answercom el conservador thanks you for your support keep the fire of freedom burning
1: howdy 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 my friends once again George Rodriguez, el conservador talking to you on KluP 930 a.m. radio the answer and we've got uh, a new guest with us mr. Jorge Bonilla who is the director of of MRC Latino at the Media Research Center in uh, uh, Reston, Virginia. And uh, he is a former talk host host himself. He uh, proudly served in the the U.S. Navy and uh, the Marine Corps Reserve. And uh, he's also a professional court interpreter, which I find very, very interesting. He also is a former uh, Republican candidate for Congress. Uh for those of you that are not too familiar with the M- Media Research Center, uh it's uh I am a big fan of theirs. They are America's premier media watchdog and have been doing that since 8 since 1987. Uh I wanted to get uh, Jorge on here to talk about um, the uh comments and uh the uh, news reports that Univision particularly Jorge Ramos uh, has uh, been uh, making uh, regarding the uh, COVID, uh, the the protests against the shutdown and uh, the protest to uh, open open the uh, the economy back up. Uh, Jorge, thank you very very much for being on our show. Thank you for coming on. Uh, tell us about uh, this uh, situation, these uh, commentaries that Jorge Ramos. Uh, has been making because Univision. I mean, my concern is that Univision wields such power because of the large speaking Spanish, uh, Spanish-speaking audience that they that they uh, uh, attract. Uh, tell us about this. Uh, their 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 reporting.
4: Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me on. It's it's an honor to be here today. Um, you're absolutely right. We we share that concern. Um, Among those who are Spanish-dominant and get their news in Spanish, Univision has a huge market share. So it it becomes very important to engage, especially as there is this growth of Latino population in the U.S. It becomes more important than ever uh, to engage some of the narratives that come out of Univision and come out of some of these other Spanish-speaking channels. And that's why uh, MRC Latino was instituted back in 2014. Um, to answer your question, it's, it's as you know, we, we live in a very challenging time now with coronavirus, with the lockdowns, with these restrictions on, on the economy. And there is a protest movement underway uh, to get some of these restrictions off of the people's backs. And unfortunately, Jorge Ramos went on his Facebook watch platform For those of you who didn't know, not only does he anchor uh, U-Division's newscast, he has a Sunday political talk show host, which is called Al Pundo, to the point. He has a weekly opinion column, which I think he's the only, uh, as a matter of fact, he is the only national evening news anchor, primetime evening news anchor, with an opinion column. He writes a weekly opinion column, and he has a weekly show, On Facebook Watch, and he went on last week's edition of Facebook Watch and smeared these protesters, people who want to get out and go to work and feed their families and and not be under the thumb of government and not have their civil rights violated. He smeared them. He called the movement to reopen America a war on science, a war on facts, a war on public health, and a war on truth. Additionally, he deceptively edited quotes uh from president trump so as to make so as to create a bigger contradiction and a bigger controversy basically he took two quotes that were three days apart and put the last one first and put the first one last to make it look like like the president was just contradicting himself all over the place and it's totally fake it's totally bogus and that's why we have to call that out
1: you know it's amazing because i mean it not only does uh does univision uh, do it, but uh, I, you know I've caught Telemundo and uh, CNN Latino uh, doing the same thing of, uh, of uh, bending the facts and uh, providing bias uh, reporting.
4: That's that's a huge problem. Uh, Univision is, is we we tend to look at them because they have the biggest market share in many markets, but Telemundo is equally guilty of that. CNN en español is equally guilty of that. Um, in many ways, these national and, and by the way, local local news is one thing. Um, you know, when you have the folks that 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 you know that talk about traffic and, and and talk about the schools and stuff like that. But when you look at these national newscasts, they're no different than the liberal mainstream media. They're no different than CBS, ABC. NBC, uh, CNN, MSNBC, in terms of promoting a liberal narrative, in terms of promoting a liberal agenda, whether on immigration, but not just on immigration, whether on gun control, whether on abortion. And what's especially risky and dangerous is when you see these, these agenda items being filtered into our community, into the Latino community, and made look at something totally mainstream. So again, that's why MRC Latino stands strong and, and we're in place to, to expose these narratives, to expose this media bias, and to say, hey, this is going on in our community. And we, we do this in English and we do it in Spanish as well. To let people know that this is something that's going on uh, within these Spanish speaking networks about, like I said, as, as the, the Latino population continues to grow, as people continue to come into this country, there is a need to call out these networks on these biases. There
1: it, it really, it really is. There really is. I mean, we, I have seen it for so many years. For so many years, I've seen it. And it, uh, it, it, it seems to escalate now. Um, I mean, the anxiety and the animosity towards President Trump Uh, And his immigration policies and his America first policies has just, you know, it seems like it's the uh, Spanish language media uh, bias has just escalated exponentially.
4: It has. And it's funny you should say that, because when we first started out back in 2014, we did a study just to see how these networks tilted. And back then, the tilt was 45 percent liberal we then went back five years later and this was last year and we we did the same study and the the spanish language networks were now tilted 70 percent liberal so that just goes to show you how how prevalent these biases are and yes a big chunk of that is um is triggered by the president his stand on on immigration his stand on border security on securing the borders um Understand something. We exposed audio a few years ago where Jorge Ramos went to address his daughter's graduating class at Harvard. And he basically said, so long as, as we continue to have immigration, one and a half to two million immigrants a year, whether legal or otherwise, and the majority of them uh, are Spanish language dominant, Spanish language media will go on and on and on. And we have them on tape as having said that. That just goes to show you there there's an interest that, that drives the skew of some of these networks. There is an interest in, in continuing to promote um, immigration above all in in, in in some of their news coverage. And when you go to an immigration first agenda by by nature, you're gonna tilt toward those candidates who promote that sort of policy along with everything else that they promote. And I believe that that's why these networks have gone especially so liberal over the past few years.
1: Yeah. the You know, the other interesting aspect is how rarely they call on somebody conservative, on somebody uh, that's a consper- conservative is, uh, Latino or conservative Spanish speaker, should I say. They rarely call on on, on us to, uh, to comment uh, in their news programs. Uh, at the nat- particularly at the national level. I mean, I, you know, it, it, it's it's, it, it's insane. They avoid us, I guess, right?
4: The light look, like the plague. Yeah. And, and the reason they do it is because, um, you know, when, when, when you come at them with some kind of a- agenda, they'll turn around and make you look bad. Just to give you an example, Jorge Ramos recently um, brought on Al Punto this, this uh, a group out of Texas. They're called the Border Latinos Trump. He brought them out, and there were four of them. They were sitting there with their red hats, and they just ate his lunch. On every single he tried to come at them. Well, don't. What do you say to those who consider that you're a race trader? And what do you consider those who who say this and who say that? And what do you? Don't you feel bad as a Latino that the Trump is? And they they totally rebutted his narratives one by one, and and totally shut him down. And that's why you don't often see conservatives that support the president you will not see them on on al punto which is really the only what or the most prominent i should say the most prominent sunday political affairs show yeah the mundo used to have a half-hour show but they've gone off the air there's talk about them coming back later this year but we'll see but uh with with al punto you don't you rarely do you see conservatives Rarely do you see it, and rarely do you see people who support the president because they they will so quickly respond and answer and turn around whatever Jorge Ramos has to say. That you know, it's 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 embarrassing, quite frankly, and that's why you don't see,
3: I think, as as many of them on the air as as you would normally see. Yeah, that's that's really that's really
1: sad. Jorge, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. We've got to get you on the show uh, more often. I really would like to, to get you on more often. We've been talking with uh, Jorge Bonilla, the director of the uh, MRC, the uh, Media Research Center Latino, uh, out of uh, Reston, Virginia. Thank you very much for being with us, Jorge. Thank you so very much, George. It's a great
4: pleasure to be with El Conservador, and I look forward to joining you next time. Please,
1: please, please.
0: Thank you. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at elconservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.